The Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts barks at wheel routes. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes, and I am joined on this delightful Victory Tuesday by the one and only Dominique Foxworth. Victory for Seahawks fans, not a victory yes. for anyone else. Uh, and Drew Locke fans, I guess. Long members, long-standing members of the Drew Locke Hive. This is your moment. Come out of the woodwork. Celebrate your mans. I was skeptical. I didn't think it could be done. Dominique, uh, just right off the top, what was your reaction to that final drive? Congratulations. I mean, he threw. The thing was, immediate reaction is to, like, be critical of the Eagles because (laughs) their defense, like, you had a chance to win the game. Your defense is – we're grown accustomed to last year their defense being able to put games away, especially with the strength of that team, which is their – defensive line and them not being able to do it is my original is like my original reaction however I also was like all right Bradbury make some plays but then as we like look over these plays over and over that final drive as we normally do on these types of shows it's like the first catch is like a fluke catch that DK makes pins it to his thigh and Bradbury is in position like that slant Bradbury's in position to intercept it. And then the next two kind of go routes are incredibly thrown. And um, and Jigba's catch on the last one, incredible catch. It just feels like, and this is probably the least analytical analysis you can get, it feels like for the Eagles, this is them paying for a lot of the things that happened last year, like the luck things that Mm. broke in their direction, the health and – the turnovers and that sort of stuff. It's like that that yeah. game you have a backup quarterback throw two perfect passes, one incredible catch, and good coverage, no pass rush. I don't know. Like the, I guess this is to the point that I laughed at Rex Ryan for making a while ago saying that they don't put teams – they don't have a knockout punch. But, yeah, it's in Rex, Rex Ryan's – uh, words is they don't have a knockout punch, but it's the same thing as like you don't want to be in close games because sometimes they'll break against you. And if you're a good team, you're not going to put yourself in that situation as often as the Eagles have this season. Yeah, I think um, in some ways I'm more disappointed in the offense versus the Seahawks defense, which we can get to. Defensively, um, I'm a little torn because – on one hand, Drew Locke has the ball, has to drive the length of the field, no timeouts. Um, I question the decision to play man coverage on those downs. However, given also the fact that the Seahawks receivers are better than your DB, I think that is a, a talent disadvantage. However, like you should be able to do that against Drew Locke in that moment. You should be able to get some sort of pass rush knowing he's going to drop back to pass. So... I don't look at that drive and say, oh, my God, what was Matt, now Matt Patricia thinking so much as I think it is just indicative of the state of the Eagles defense, which is that it's not a good defense. And, you know, we've talked all year about the back end and some of the issues they have with personnel. And uh, you certainly saw those flare up on that drive and at points throughout the game. We see that they have missed tackles all year. I think against Kenneth Walker, that was quite apparent. Uh, and some of the screens that the Seahawks were able to execute. 
But for me, the most disappointing group in this game, and I think maybe on the season, is that pass rush. Because it, like in that, how do you not bring down Drew Locke, dude? Like it's, I, I mean, he got rid of the ball pretty quickly on a couple of those throws, but throughout the game, right? Like this is Drew Locke. It's not Geno Smith who's getting that ball out super quickly, and like uh, you should be able to get more pressure than you did in this game. And I don't know, Dominique, if there is a fix for that. I mean, I guess you could say maybe they should be running more games up front. They got Seattle with a, with a twist early on. Maybe you should be bringing more pressure. I don't, I don't know. It feels more like a talent thing to me. Yeah. I mean, I think we're in the, the desperation phase of the season is everyone's already tried all the reasonable adjustments that they could make. And now it's just, let's just throw shit at the wall or you need to come up with some scheme that's just uh, so perfectly suited for the situation that it works. And the tough thing with that is even if you're able to do it once, it's unlikely that you're going to outsmart every team that you're going up against every week. And if there's a talent deficiency in the secondary, we can't like, you can't expect more than the players are capable of producing. The problem with the D line is like, yeah, that's where they invested the front. That's where they've invested draft picks and money that's where we we've invested so like that's and you and i have talked about this for years now at least like i believe that the best way to build a successful unit is probably to overload in one area or another as far as talent's concerned or resources are concerned because then you can allow them to take on more of the load so like if you have a great defensive line then you can play more coverages you can put everyone back if you have a great secondary then you can blitz more um and so in this situation if the group where your resources are is also not producing then i don't know what you do because you don't want to put more you don't want to blitz more and put more pressure like you mentioned uh especially against um seattle that has receivers that can make things happen after the catch it just it's a bad spot to be in yeah the best defensive lineman on the field was leonard williams on seattle yeah. i thought in this game who was amazing um i do want to acknowledge not only i thought you know i mean drew Locke didn't do much throughout the game candidly they didn't ask him to do a lot which i i i don't know i got to go back and watch some of those earlier drives i think they probably should have taken more risks especially given as we've discussed the talent advantage that Seattle had at pass catcher versus uh, this Eagles defense, but he, I, you know, he made some those those throws were really impressive. At the end, I, I think I come away from this though, not really, you know, with a with a Drew Lock take, um, but uh, from the Seahawks offense, uh, impressed by two players in particular, DK Metcalf on that drive. That was like true number one. I'm going to take over this football game and win it for you stuff. And he's done that now on several, on more than one two minute drive. Remember against, he had the crazy catch against the Rams. They didn't win the missed field goal. Um, but it, it, it's always, it was interesting to me because, you know, in this game, you had AJ Brown, his former teammate on one side of the field. And I think at times, like, I think most people would put AJ Brown in a tier above DK Metcalf. But in this game, you know, I've always kind of watched him and thought, okay, like he he has the ability to take over games, but he, he there's a reason why we don't consider him to be an AJ Brown just in terms of like the reliability, the explosiveness, the yards after the catch. It was all on display there. And then Kenneth Walker, really the story of the game on offense. Um, he has been an interesting back because 
last year, his rookie season, he was really explosive, but he was kind of boomer bust. He ranked near the bottom of the league in success rate, which is for those who don't know, like EPA per play is like the, you know, totalistic number of like how successful an offense or a player is or defense or whatever success rate is like on a down to down basis you know a successful run on first down is i think like four yards or whatever and then on second down you know it's 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 yeah, down I think it's, it's, a, it's a good measure i think you can some of the stats you can have like a couple big plays and this is a yes. good measure of consistency for running the ball better uh, much quicker and more uh the success rate on your explanation that's was why we're a mine. team um, so his success rate was not good, but last yesterday it was 58%, which is I, I, probably the highest of his career. And Dominique, watching him, it felt like it, right? Didn't it feel like every single one of his runs went from like, you know, six or eight yards? He was breaking tackles. He was running with That's great vision and patience. Um, yeah. I think like they've kind of figured out the right scheme for him, the gap stuff they do, multiple tight ends on the field, allow him to, you know, run with that. I mean, I, 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 for me, like that was the CS run game has not been good this season. And I think coming out of this game against an Eagles run defense that hasn't been horrible, by the way, it's a past defense right. been the problem. I thought that was a really, really impressive performance. Yeah. And success rate does not account for um, who to give the credit to all the time, whether it's offensive sure. line or running back. You can have a successful running attack, uh, especially, I mean, I guess. The Lions would be a bad example because their running backs are also good. But I just remember back to, was it them against the Rams? It was them against somebody where they were just pushing people back three yards. And it's like, all right, can you fall forward for a yard? Because the whole <laughs> line's going to get you three. Um, but if you watch this game, it did feel like one particular cut stands out for me in my mind. Exactly. For Kenneth Walker, when they were going from left to right. But generally in that game, it reminded me some of Ezekiel Elliott and that uh, huh. One thing that I always found as valuable for Ezekiel Elliott is his ability to get like a little more than he was supposed to. And it wasn't impressive. It was about the way that he moved his body, the decisions that he made, the decisiveness of his cut. So it's like, to your point, success rate is four yards on first down. So uh, on plays, at least from my view, on plays where Zeke, where most running backs would get two, Zeke would get four. And it would seem like something that you don't like something you forget from game to game. I saw that in Kenneth Walker in this game where it was like, all right, just this little decision right yeah. here will get you an extra yard or two. And then second and six is a lot different than second and eight. And those little things like they don't they aren't memorable, but they do add up. Yes. And it felt I mean. It's also notable when he's running that way, especially out of those heavier sets, if Geno Smith's in the game, they're going to hit shot plays off of that. They weren't able to in this game. Uh, obviously, at the end, it was different, although that wasn't uh, a situation where they would run play action. But uh, I think it will really help the entire offense if they can continue to run this ball, run the ball that way out of those looks, given the way that they're built and what uh, Shane Waldron does with his personnel groupings and formations. So really encouraging. Um, defensively, I feel like if I'm an Eagles fan, I said Jen Leonard Williams have a great game. I want to give a shout out to Julian Love too, who was lights mm -hmm. out, obviously had the two picks, both he rotated back into the center fielder position, great range. But that's embarrassing for the Eagles offense, man, to not. I, I think that like... The Eagles defense, I'm more like, ah, you just, you're missing guys. You're, there's a talent issue there. I think the last drive was obviously pretty bad, but 
the Eagles offense, Dominique, it's like playing Seattle. You have the answers to the test in front of you. Like, uh, you know, like they're, they're spot dropping, like just hit the curl, dude. Like, or, or when they ran, um, slant flat with AJ, uh, like in mm-hmm. the third quarter or something, it was, I was right. like, I don't know why they don't run this literally every down. Cause it would be there. Uh, do you feel watching it? Did Especially you agree with, with me? Um, yeah, yes. no, I, I think that that um, style is something that you expect to win if you have better players than your opponents. But the Eagles have better players. I mean, that's the most concerning thing coming out of this game is their offense. Because as we mentioned, they are down a bunch of personnel from last season on defense. defense yeah. uh, they are not on offense. There's, I mean – I would write this off as Jalen Hurts' knee and Jalen Hurts' illness if it wasn't for the fact that it's looked like this all year. And so I tried to give time to their new offensive coordinator. They have no more time for the defensive coordinator because we talked about they moved on to Matt Patricia, which is another sign of a desperate team doing something like this late in the season. But, yeah, the offense, someone else has to pick up the slack. And the team, the unit that is not missing – a bunch of their top players from the pre- previous season should be that team, but they are not. I was going to say recently, but they haven't been good, like consistently good all year. And AJ Brown has disappeared from beginning of the season when we thought he was like an MVP candidate, no longer having that type of impact. I just remember when he was just taking passes off of the backs of Washington commanders, it felt like, and they were, winning shootouts against the commanders and now they just can't score against anybody anymore this offense is yeah this team is is they're not super bowl caliber is the nicest way to put it yeah especially when you watch the niners it's just it does it feels i mean granted it feels pretty insurmountable for every team when you watch the niners but certainly this one i think um we're at a point now where the, the the problems with the eagles offense do become more like structural and philosophical um Something that I was wrong about was that I thought the the Bills' offense didn't need to change that much. I, I thought, you know yeah. what, their their numbers are amazing. Josh Allen is balling. They have talented players. Um, yeah, maybe they could use a little more motion and, I don't know, use the backs more in the passing, but, like, whatever. I was wrong. When you watch them, you see the impact that those schematic changes have had on them. The Eagles' offense, it's not – it wasn't similar to Buffalo, but I think it, there was a little bit of a similarity in that this offense is like, we have more talented players than you. We don't need to use motion and we, and, and our, well, I guess in some of the, the lack of that is also because of the RPOs being so such a, a central part of the offense, but um, our guys will beat your guys, you know, or we'll beat you with numbers because our quarterback can mm-hmm. run. Those are the two things that I would say, like if you had to look at the Eagles offense last year, those were the two tenets of the offense. We have more talented right. players, and then we have a numbers advantage. They still have more talented players, but for a litany of reasons, they're not winning solely on the back of that the way that they were. Um, some of that, I think, is defenses are playing differently. I've talked about that. Some of that is the players just aren't making winning plays the way we were last year. A lot of it, I think, is hurts himself. Um, and it feels like there needs to be some sort of almost like a philosophical change, 
because if they continue down this path, and you certainly saw this against Seattle, it doesn't feel like it's going to be enough. Yeah, it seems obvious to me. Whereas the the thing about the and I I was I had that same situation that you had with the Bills. I had with the Cowboys from last year. It's like, why are they firing um, Kellen Moore? Like they're great at offense, and that's the danger of of um, leaning in the direction of like exclusive stat nerdery is that there are some things that you can't account for. And it does feel like this is a bad time to bring it up, but it feels like the Cowboys offense is more effective, even though it may not be more efficient. But, uh, and the same thing for the bills is it doesn't look a whole bunch more efficient, but it is more effective for their team right now. But the Eagles, they can't even point to the stats and say, but we do it okay. Like, what is holding them back from making some changes? This is where um, I know we all want to uh, – we want them to win. Or you're a fan of the team. You're on the team. You want to win. But winning those games feels like has had a negative effect because it's like, no, we're winning. No, you're not good enough. And there's something yeah. that you need to change. And if they had lost a couple of those early season games, maybe they'd have had more time to make some adjustments. But – it, it, it feels like it's in, I don't know, maybe I'm being prisoner in a moment. I don't want to be hyperbolic. Like, could they beat the 49ers one on one Sunday in January? Sure. I ain't going to bet on it, though. Well, there was, I want to say, like, early in the game, maybe in the, at least through like midway through the second quarter, I was actually feeling like, okay, this is the Eagles' deep offense is doing everything they need to against this Seattle defense um when they were hitting goddard against some of the split safety looks um you know some of the easier completions that they had dialed up for hertz the way the run game looked early on it felt like uh a little bit more like it did last year and then there was a, a number of things that happened i thought the, the the seahawks were very well prepared for their rpo package um the pass rush I thought was pretty successful. The Seahawks run defense also played well. I think they deserve some credit for that. Uh, after and then Hurts, you know what we've seen all year, certainly on the interceptions, forcing the ball downfield at points, he just didn't have yeah. to, man. Like he just doesn't have to. Like I'm like, what do you? Every go ball against the Seattle defense is a gift because underneath, like that is wide open, man. Like what are you doing? And um. On paper, you might say, well, we have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, and they're starting Michael Jackson and, like, Trey Brown or, or uh, you know. You uh, throw it up to A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith. Yeah. <laughs> like, that one, the first interception wasn't to either of those. That was to Quez Watkins, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. You definitely. Quez and had then, that big yeah. catch in the back of the Cowboys game, but I don't think that uh, that looks similar to that in the back of the end zone of the Cowboys game. However. I still don't think when you got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith out there, when you're throwing 50-50 balls, you want to throw them at Quez. That's, I don't know. There is, a little bit of, there is a little bit of the variance you talked about at the beginning, though, because some of those – like some of the 50-50 balls he threw up to A.J. Brown last year were true 50-50 balls. So right. there is a little bit of like, well, these, they just hit on some stuff they probably shouldn't have hit on in big moments last season, right. and I think you're paying for that a little bit, but – yeah, it, it comes so for the Eagles, it just feels that offense is way too talented to be as inefficient as they are, especially against a defense like Seattle's. Although I will say, Seattle defense, I do think deserves credit for how they played the run, for the play of Williams in particular, 
Uh, Julian Love had an amazing game. He sh- Jamal Adams was not in this game, and it looked better, honestly. Uh, you know, Diggs is usually the post safety, Quandre Diggs, but they were rotating Julian Love back there. But I think just having two safeties who can actually cover the way that they can, it all looked a lot better. They were they were in nickel most of the game. Um, for Seattle, just to wrap this up before we move on, uh, suddenly back fully in the hunt, you know, in the mix with the Rams and the Vikings, you got to win out, but you got a pretty easy uh, schedule to close it. You get the the Titans next week. I think it's going to be Tannehill, um, the Steelers, who knows who's playing quarterback there. So this is a huge, huge, huge win for Seahawks. And uh, I think appropriately a moment to panic if you're a Philadelphia mm-hmm. Eagles fan. So, yep. Uh, by the way, if you guys missed it, I was on the Manning cast last night watching the game. I was not on for the end of the game, which is probably good because it would have gotten some fines. Uh, you can find it on YouTube, on my YouTube page. I mean, it kind of put up some of the highlights from that as well as this episode. All right, when we come back, we will talk about some winners and some woofs. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace, all this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using code OMAHAFULL, and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, keep those winnings. But if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and older only, offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 plus wagers only. Must register with an eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to the account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling referral services can be accessed by calling one 800 Gambler, that's 1-800-426-2537, or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Mina show today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H E L P dot com slash Mina show, M I N A S H O W. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple Jets is better. 
With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any 8-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Okay. Uh, Dominique, we're back. Um, I alluded to this winner. We're a little bit removed from it. The Buffalo Bills. There's a million things you could talk about with this. Uh, We already alluded, you know, to the change on identity on offense, the way they ran all over Dallas, much has been discussed about that. I was really impressed by the defense. And I think on this podcast, it wasn't NFL live. Yeah. On this podcast, I talked about how I thought Dallas could attack the middle of the field. Now, some of the inability to do so, I think was game script, you know, falling behind so quickly. um, And it allowed, the Bills to play a lot of dime and just sit back in coverage knowing that Dallas couldn't really run the ball on them after like one and a half quarters. But even with that said, these DBs, I thought, played incredibly well. The Buffalo DBs, you know, this is an injured secondary. Lost Matt Milano. Micah Hyde didn't play in this game. Tredavious White out for the season. There was a point with this Bills defense where I thought they just they don't have it. They're just too injured. This isn't going to work. And I feel like I was wrong. Like the I, in this game in particular, I was like, oh my god! Like Christian Bedford, uh, who's a second year cornerback, Taron Johnson in the slot covering Ceedee Lamb, Taylor Rapp coming in for Micah Hyde at safety. Those guys played out of their minds this last week. And as we look ahead to Buffalo and a potential playoff run, they've about that in a second that's to me the most encouraging thing coming out of this game i know the fact the fact that they can run the ball in january is obviously a huge huge deal but like i did not think this defense would get there with all the injuries they had we talked about this game obviously last week and we said the only way that the bills win or i said the only way the bills win is in a shootout and (laughs) no because we didn't think the the one thing that i didn't think was going to happen is the thing that absolutely happened is that the cowboys would not be able to score or move the ball effectively. That's the one thing that I could have guaranteed you. I could have, I would have accepted almost any other premise, but I was wrong about that one. And what we saw, at least from my perspective, is they got out coached. Yeah, uh, it felt like one of the things that I've been praising about the Cowboys is how simple their offense is and allows Dak to use his brain to understand the pre-snap situation to get them in the best play and uh and it's they're running not they weren't running a bunch of plays all season they're running some plays and Dak would get them to the right one for the situation very much like um how Peyton Manning used to do back in the day if you ever watched any of those old Colts tapes it's like I don't know they had like five or six passing plays they would run them all the time all season long it's just Peyton would study film to the degree that you could not disguise and the plays were Every, every defense has a weakness, and he would put them in the right play to attack the weakness. And that's what Dak had been doing. But uh, this Bills team recognized that and was prepared. And they were changing their looks 
um, after the snap so and given pre-snap, yeah, given pre-snap disguises. So Dax coming to the line, like, all right, I know what this is. And then it would change. So then it would like put a, it would like gum up his decision-making and then eventually he'd just check it down in order not to yeah. like force anything. And then next thing you know, because they couldn't stop him on the other side of the ball, they were down 17 points. And then it's a tough situation to come back from. They, they missed the block punt. They got that weird roughing call. They missed on that um, post to Cooks. And next thing you know, the things broke against them and down they're one-dimensional. And that's the one thing that no one wants to be. So it does feel like the game played out in a way that really hurts the Cowboys. But fundamentally, the defense, that what I saw from the defense, while I do want to celebrate the players and give them credit, it seemed like they were very well prepared to do the things that would give the Cowboys a lot of issues. Well, you know, this is a defense that under Sean McDermott has always used a lot of disguise on the back end in particular, where I think, though, they deserve so much credit for the, what you just described in this game, the amount of rotation um, to mess with Dak post-snap is that they were down so many players like to, to go into this yeah. game, to be down high down, you know, Davies white, a whatever there's changing up. They were playing like way more dime than they usually do. This was a de- defense. that was almost exclusively a nickel defense last year. Remember? And then to be able to execute that level of disguise at such a high level with the change in the secondary, that's a credit to McDermott. Um, yeah. Coming off that's of a, a very him. interesting week for him. I mean, you got it. Like, that's impressive to me. I think, yeah. I think he deserves a ton of credit, the players, for executing it. But I wanted to cut in for a second and explain from a defensive back standpoint because I think it could yeah. it could sound like what we're saying is not that impressive. So at its simplest form, it's not that impressive to, to line up in one coverage and then move to a different spot at the snap of the ball. But what makes that difficult is because the mental parts of the game. So when they run a lot of zone, it's a lot of route recognition and that's based on your pre-snap read. So it's a, it's about what you're doing mentally pre-snap. So, and it's about alignment. It makes it really hard to execute your assignment if you're out of position. So you are going to go first, what you're thinking. All right, snap the ball. All right, what formation are they in? What's the down and dis- down and distance? What's the play that I can expect or a series of plays I can expect on this play? All right, I've computed that. All right, now, where do I need to line up to best execute this? All right, got that. Now, where do I need to line up to convince them that I am not going to line up where I need to line up to stop the play? Also, what's the coverage? Is it run or pass? What, um, and all the questions that are going through your head. So I think that's the part... While we focus on one portion of that, it's not super impressive. I think what's impressive is um, how much is actually going through their heads. And then that's where the inexperience plays. And that's why I think you were harping on how these are different players. If it's their traditional safeties, it's a little different. If it's traditional, like it's a, a veteran player at corner, it's a little different. They feel a little comfortable. They've been doing these things in this defense for a long time. But for these guys who are not always there and not working together, because that's the the um, disguise have to work in concert. I remember the one uh, the best game that I lost to Peyton Manning a bunch of times, never beat him. The best game that a team I played on played against him was with the Ravens. I think we held them to thirteen points, but we only scored ten. And the best game that we played 
was against him was because we were all tied together. And what Peyton did really well is he would scan the whole damn field and somebody would be nervous about not getting to their assignment. So someone would be a couple feet off and then he'd figure it out. Or over the course of the whole first half, we run three or four disguises. All right. By the end of the first half, he has those disguises. And then we go to the second half, you have to switch him or you or he's going to eat you alive. And so we had a veteran unit in Baltimore with a lot of players who played together and were very experienced. And so we were able to keep him on his toes and do all that stuff throughout the course of the game. And so, I, I don't know, rambling, but yes, no. it's impressive. I, I think, and then what's even more impressive is after that, you know, so Dak has, to your point, in a Manning-esque fashion, killed defenses this year pre-snap, right, with the uh, decision-making and, and his ability to diagnose what they're doing. So, you know, what the Bills are, what the Bills did was he made him hold on to the ball a second longer. You're, you know, changing the picture for him post-snap. But even then this year, when Dak has extended, he has made really great throws. Guys have gotten open. When he extended in this game, they locked guys down. So it was just a tremendous performance, both in terms of the way they changed the picture for him post-snap and then the way they continued to cover, which was not on, like that's something you could not see on the telecast. You're just watching and you're a Cowboys fan. You're probably losing your mind being like, throw the ball, throw the ball. Dude, no one was open. Incredible. Yeah, we're, in, we're in my wheelhouse talking about defensive backs right now. The The thing is when a team like that plays heavy zone, the tough thing about um, uh, uh, scrabble plays is it has to turn into man because the zone yes. will get overloaded. Right. So the it has to turn into man. And normally when it turns into man, someone gets open because not everybody is near a man or the person that you are near is a receiver and you're a linebacker. It doesn't matter. Whoever you're closest to, it turns into man coverage. You have to stick them. And for them to be able to, it's, I'm sure it's something they practice. Uh, we practice all the time called scramble drill, but it's a hard thing to execute. That's why we see all the time, like those big plays from Mahomes and big plays from those type of quarterbacks. It's because what you are asking them to do is there are no rules. Like once it breaks down, the only rule is somebody get man to man and you can't create the matchup that you want. So if you can create time like that, it's deadly for um, off or for defenses. All right. So that was a little humble pie, or I guess I had to eat a little bit of crow uh, there with that Bill's defense. Oh, you have that crow. Yeah, okay. Uh, no, but that's I'll take some wings. really, really encouraging for the for the Bills, especially as they it looks there might be. I mean, if they win and then the Dolphins keep winning, I think they, they'll play for the division in week 18, which is incredible. So I, I that's fun. the outcome I'm rooting for just because I love love a good, meaningful week 18 game. Um, I'll do my, I'm going to do a very quick woof here. My woof is the Atlanta Falcons who lost nine to seven to the Carolina Panthers. Um, I think there are two reasons why this Falcons season is so depressing for a fan base. That's obviously been through maybe more than any fan base in the NFL. One is that the division was just so eminently winnable man like it didn't take much i know it's not over but it feels over it's so bad your schedule was so easy so to lose to blow that kind of game to be losing the way you are is it's it sucks in any year but i think it especially sucks in this year and here's the other thing dominique that's so if i'm a falcons fan i'm freaking so angry and upset and i'm mad at the coach 
Your defense has been good. I think that, like, the most, like, shocking part of all – I mean, it's not shocking. I thought they would be better. But watching them, watching them against not just the Panthers, but everyone, almost all of the free agent acquisitions they've made have panned out. Calais Campbell still playing so well. Caden Ellis, Onyemata, Jesse Bates has arguably been the best safety in football. Um in terms of the numbers, they are eighth in EPA per play on the year and fourth in success rate. Uh, it's a it's a fun defense to watch. That's uh, they play a lot of cover two man because that's the DNA from Ryan Nielsen who came over from the from the Saints. They're very stout against the run. Your offense, which last year outperformed all expectations, is blowing it for you. And it's not just one thing. The quarterback's not good, but it's not just the quarterback. They completely lack an identity. They had such a firm identity last season. They do not have an identity. When I watched them, they're not even a good running team. It is, they are the, what is it that you do here offense at this point? Uh, And it sucks because if they were just what they were last year, they would easily win the division given the competition and how good the defense has been. That is my rant on the Atlanta Falcons. You said it It would be quick. I don't know that I have anything else to add to it. It's depressing for Falcons fans more than any other people, but it's also disappointing for all of us. And then I uh, was reminded this morning, as uh, it's happened a couple times this season, that they were one of the first teams to be out on Lamar Jackson when they could have come in to steal him. It just – maybe we should be thankful – that they didn't ruin Lamar Jackson, but it's just so disappointing because it just felt like they had a plan. They went and got Bijan. It was like, okay, now this is the year. They're really gonna let it. They're really gonna. Everything is shaping up for them. And Desmond Ritter is like surprisingly good sometimes, and then surprisingly bad. <laughs> he has some of the worst it's turnovers just, I've ever seen. Yeah. I think they. Like, I, I they're going back to Heineke, by the way, right before we started taping. Yeah, I, don't I know. Freaking, I saw that. That's... What is it that you do here? Is... Yeah, it's sad. All right. That's my rant oh, on well. them. Uh, going to be an interesting offseason for them. Uh, Your Wolf is a team that I actually – I have I, drives me crazy. They're not as bad, but they drive me crazy in a similar way. Please, tell the viewers. They also in uh, eminently winnable division. Yes. That is – surprisingly competitive but the jacksonville jaguars so all right the ravens are better than you but i didn't expect you to necessarily win but that sequence before halftime is <laughs> atrocious the fumble was atrocious and like i felt like 23 points was if you told me the jags could hold the ravens to 23 points i wouldn't have been so upset with that, if I was like a Jags fan or if I picked the Jags, okay. But then you watch the game and it's like, oh, it felt like the Ravens could have had more. There were no answers to anything. And when they did get some pressure on Lamar, he they would did. do something Lamarish, which, yeah. yeah, which is not, it's not fair to be against, to, to hold that against them. But it just didn't. And then likely is jumping up with two defenders and catching them. Like Lamar did that ridiculous. Uh, spin to get out of the sack and then threw into double coverage and just made an incredible throw and catch. So yeah, this team is disappointing because they have the one before the season started. We're like, all right, yeah, one good quarterback in this division, a couple of rookies, 
and a, a team with some some big names and some talent on defense. And they're getting Calvin Ridley again. It's like, all right, we're doing something. We're building something here. And they've just been up and down and ugly all season long. And then this game, when we're starting to get towards the end of the season, when teams need to get more serious about their identity and who they are and where they're going to make a run, they just put up something that's embarrassing. The one offense, I guess they should have scored before halftime, but the one offensive touchdown they had wasn't even a result of a drive. It was the flat defender didn't carry the wheel. Oh, the Agnew touchdown. Yeah. 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 got a big play touchdown. Yeah. Got a big play touchdown. It just, it was, yeah, it could, they could have been shut out. It was not an inspiring performance on a prime time game. You're supposed to get up for those against a real opponent. I think what's so annoying about the Jags is uh, every week is something different, right? Like the Falcons, I alluded to, like that the offense just sucks and it's infuriating to watch. With the Jags, it's like, um, for a couple of weeks, it was really the defense that was letting them down. This one, it was offensive execution, getting into the Ravens territory multiple times, not putting up points for boneheaded reasons on different plays. Because uh, I thought the pass rush was actually pretty good in this. Lamar gonna Lamar. Yeah. You know, it's like it is what it is. I thought yeah. both Walker and Allen were really good. And honestly, the defense played a lot better. But um, just it's it, it's execution with them too it's just like uh receiver drops quarterback fumbles offensive line giving up bad pressures uh it's and i and i want to mention the quarterback because he was this he deserves i think sometimes yeah lawrence is one of those guys where a lot of times when i watched him over the, the years i absolve him of blame and i think that it's been fair but i don't think i think this season and like you know he's playing through injury but uh, I do think he deserves criticism for a game like that that one and certain games this season. Um, I don't know if like, you know, I know they, they made the change of play, play caller going to press Taylor feels like that experiment or that change is probably going to have to reverse at some point. But it's not like I point to them and I'm like, oh, they're calling the wrong play. Like, you know, it, it does feel like execution is equally to blame. So I want you know say that, but yeah. The other thing I'll say, my God, Christian Kirk, people made fun of that contract. Yeah. You are clearly the best receiver in this offense, and uh, your absence is felt. So throw that out there, too. Yeah. Uh, they, um, I saw the, the pressure rate for that game for the Jags was 50%. Their defense pressuring the Ravens' offense, but their pass rush win rate, which I guess is to, to be – expect it when you have an athlete like Lamar who is going to like hold on to the ball because he can, but their win rate for pass rush was only 32%, which, yeah, because I, I don't know. I remember Lamar doing things in the pocket, which would suggest that he was under pressure, but I mean, I guess he was under pressure, but it feels like also it's partially his decision to be yeah. under pressure, not necessarily that they're winning yeah. a bunch. I feel like they were beating the tackles, but not on the interior yeah. a fair amount. But again, Lamar mitigates yeah. that so much that and Stanley got hurt, didn't he? Did I make they were, that? They were Stanley? rotating him. They've been rotating them. Okay. I, don't, I don't know. They've been trying some different yeah. things. He's not quite himself. Uh, one more thing about the Jags offense. They cannot run the ball to save their lives. Uh, second worst EPA per carry, fifth worst success rate. You heard us talk about how you need to look at those things together. Well, they're bad at both in the NFL. <laughs> They, re- they face a lot of stacked boxes, but when they do, they can't throw on them. 
Um, and that was something I think. So actually, it's a contrast with the Ravens. When the Ravens face stack boxes, they average 11 yards per play throwing the ball. The Jags averaged 4.2 when they face stack boxes. And I think that right there captures kind of the contrast between these two teams, which is obviously, you know, the, the play of the quarterback is huge, but the Ravens are able to be opportunistic about the defensive looks they get and take advantage of them in a way that the Jags just are not right now. The Ravens just seem so smart. Like on both sides, coordinators and players just seem so yeah. like smart. And maybe it's just because they are doing the things that seem obvious to me, the things that I would want a team to do, but they are multiple on offense and defense. And they seem to understand what, uh, they seem to understand what the opposing defense is thinking. And I, by what I mean by that is they know what they're afraid of and what they're trying to stop to your point. And then they attack the opposite thing. It just feels like they're a step, a step ahead, especially when they play teams like the Jags. The touchdown um, with where they had flowers running the fake jet. It was exactly what you're just describing where like, I, I was like, Ooh, yeah. me, my dumb mind. I was like, watch flowers. I saw him come. I was like, there he goes. And then, uh, you know, the, yeah. the linebackers are following him and then they, you know, just forgot. Yeah. Even who's it's like they know it's, yeah, it's the it's not waiting until you take it away. It's like, all right, we know I think what you're trying to take away. Use football terms on both sides of the ball, it feels like they're always dictating rather than being dictated yeah. to and controlling the game. Um, they're not perfect and uh, I, I I feel like I, I might spend like three hours this week talking about Ravens Niners because I'm just so excited oh, yeah. for next week. We're gonna have Deontay right. on. Uh but uh, in this in the, in this game, there was a clear advantage. All right, let's wrap up with your winner. This is a good one. I'm excited. I'm happy yeah. for them. I, I I owe them some love because I've been hard on them. The Detroit Lions are back. Forty-two to seventeen win over uh, the Bu- the Broncos. Um, that offense, we've been missing it. It's yes. really good. It's been really good for much much of the season. Uh, had some turnover issues recently, but it was nice to see them back. I really, I know you want to, or the impetus or the the urge is to focus on Jared Goff playing well again, but I really love to see the return of this running attack, how impressive they were with uh, Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs while you're using success rate and EPA per play. As good modern stats, I'm going to the old school yards per carry, 9.1 for Jameer Gibbs and five uh, yards per carry for David Montgomery. Those are great old school stats. You get to run the ball with guys like that. I guess I should go into next gen and see what the expected yards were because it's a credit to see, or it's nice to see their offensive line back in action getting things done and them playing well. So, yeah, they. I'm not ready to say that they're Super Bowl contenders like some people pretend that they are, but it was nice. And, I mean, their defense, which is what we all been picking on, it was all right. That, that was good the most job, shocking dude. thing to me in this game is how good the defense looked. Yeah. Pass rush was getting that after That was the it. most shocking thing, but I was happy to see. I guess yeah. I should have. I should be trumping in defense. I was just happy to see that offense back because that's the one thing that I think they can rely on. I don't think that, that defense is going to play – that well for the rest of the season in my um preview of this game i was i talked a lot about the offensive line and how clearly like 
Jared Goff is like a one to no quarterback, like binary, like if he's protected, he's good. If he's not, he's not. And I was like, oh, I don't know about this offensive line lately and the Broncos yeah. pass rush. Yeah. And some Lions fan in my mentions was like, Ragnar's coming back. Ragnar's coming back. I can't remember how he put it, but yeah, dude, like what a difference when that dude is back at center. Um, yeah, the offense just looks great when Jared Goff is protected. They got Jamison Williams a little bit involved too. I think that's important for them to stretch the field defensively. What do people think about yeah. Jamison Williams? Is how how good? I mean, I remember before the yeah. draft, I thought he was really great, and I was crushed about the injury. And then he has so many weird issues. Uh, not weird issues, but had so many issues <laughs> keeping him off the field. Um, he hasn't come on fully yet, but. Do people believe he's going to turn into a true number one? I think the jury's still out. Well, I don't think, I think the number one thing is probably right now, the early returns are not great, but mm. you know, I, I think the sense I get from Lions fans is that they still believe he hasn't been targeted much. They haven't really included him in the offense, but then you see a game like this where right. you're starting to get him more involved. It, it's so clearly an element that's needed in this offense um yeah. that i think it's really important for them especially Charlie you know when we mad at me. why uh i mean on on my show charlie your co-host i always talk about um how i don't really have faith in any teams or offenses that don't have a deep threat i just think you need to have someone who's going to like scare the defense and so um i, I don't you don't yeah, I, I don't have a lot of love for uh, the offense as it is well, currently constructed. So I, I need Jameson to their come best on. chance of not just. I think you know. It, by the way, they're also a winner because the Packers are losing, and it looks like the division's kind of locked up for them. Um, there was a point like a few weeks ago where we were wondering if like oh, can the Packers make it? You know, they're they're coming. Well, yeah. they lost. It looks different now. Um. But I think with the Lions now, it, the question isn't can they win the division? It's can they win a playoff game? Can they can they compete with the big boys? And the case for them, I mean, the defense played better, but the case for them competing is if the offense can go toe-to-toe because the ceiling of the offense is high. But I don't think they can reach that ceiling fully unless Jamison Williams is integrated into the offense or, to your point, unless they, they can actually stretch the field both ways. Um you know, potentials there, potentials there, but that's this is a big win. I mean, they felt like they really needed to stop the the bleeding. It's a quality win against a a good, you know, a, a decent opponent in Denver, and um, you know, they got a big game this coming weekend. I think they're they're playing the Bucks, right? I, or let's see, Denver. I'm gonna I preview the Vikings. Okay, tricky defense, so that'll be fun. Can't wait. All right, Dominique. Well, that's Dominique, Dominique Foxworth of the Dominique Foxworth Show. Check it out wherever you get pods. I will be joining you. You coming on this week? I, I believe so. Can't wait. Got, Great. Got, we'll we talk got, 49ers. Oh, I could talk Ravens, Niners. And forever. boys. Um, yeah, yeah, Cowboys, Dolphins. Yeah, All right, I got a bathroom. Sorry. All right. That's Dominique Foxworth leaving. I'm Mina Kimes. You can check out. It this pod on youtube as well if you want to see dominique uh run with great urgency leaving to go to the bathroom i'll be back later this week with deontay lee to preview a very exciting play the games thanks for joining us